Welcome, church. Glad you're here tonight and to be, to be part of the service. Uh, tonight we're going to begin or we're going to finish up our series called How Not to Wreck Your Life. The kind of the goal of this series, if you haven't been here or haven't just kind of forgotten, the kind of the goal of this series has been to realize that every one of us, we make decisions every day of the week. And not just one decision, we make deci- multiple decisions every single day. And as we make those decisions, too many times we find ourselves relying on our own wisdom, our own insight. And here's what we all know to be true, that when we do that, we typically end up wrecking either a relationship, wrecking our finances, wrecking our testimony, and ultimately wrecking our lives. And you know that to be true because maybe you know somebody, maybe that's been your story. And really the premise of the series has been this, is that if we wanna live our life in such a way to not wreck our lives, we need something. And what we need more than anything else is we need God's wisdom in our lives. Amen, if you believe that, say amen. We need God's wisdom in our lives. Now, as we think about that, we've walked a journey for the last five weeks talking about the book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, and we've looked at different passages. So we've seen that there's two paths. There's the path of the wise and there's the path of the foolish. Then Elijah did a great job reminding us that if you choose the path of the wise, here's the ripple effect that's gonna have in your life and other people's lives. But yet if you choose the path of the foolish, this is the ripple effect it's gonna have. And then last week, we looked at something interesting in chapter seven about despite where you think you are, and the ultimate truth is this, is that your direction in life determines your destination. Not where you wanna go, not where you intend to go, not where you hope to go, but the direction that you truly and clearly are on is a direction that will lead ultimately to a destination. And we close the sermon by saying this, if you don't like the path your life is headed, ask the Holy Spirit to help you change your direction. Now tonight, we're gonna look at something, we're gonna look at the evidence of which path we're on. Because hopefully, as you've walked out every week and as you've watched every week, what you've discovered is this, is that you're forced to make this decision, which path am I on? Am I on the path of the wise? Am I on the path of the foolish? What ripple effect has my life caused? What direction am I going? Well, tonight I believe as we go through this passage and we look at it, we're gonna truly discover and give evidence to the path that we are on. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. Now typically we've been reading chunks of scripture. And so today we're gonna do something a little different. We're gonna read one verse and we're gonna unpack that verse. So if you have your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 27, I wanna read verse 12 and it says this. The prudent see danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Now, as we look at this passage here, I know you think, Doug, that doesn't have a lot to it, but what you're gonna find out, there's a lot in this passage. The prudency danger and hides himself, but the, but the simple go on and they suffer for it. So what I want us to see is three things in the passage. First of all, we're gonna look at the two, the two kinds of people, then we're gonna look at the two responses and ultimately look at the two results we see. So let's start with the two kinds of people. There are two kinds of people that are mentioned in this passage. The first one he mentions is the prudent. Now, let me remind you who the prudent are, okay? Remember, the prudent are the people that, that heed God's wisdom. They're people that are cautious. They're people that engage life with their eyes wide open. They're aware, they're alert. They are on guard. That's the prudent person. And notice what he says here. The prudent see what? Danger. 
Danger, Will Robinson, right? I mean, the prudence see danger. Now, here's what that means. That as they live their life, they see the evils of this world. They see, for example, the potential pitfalls in this life. So, so a prudent person, because they're so attentive, because they're so driven by taking God's words and heeding God's words, when they see the world they live in, they see the potential pitfalls. For example, the pitfalls in relationships. So maybe it's just a friendship that this person's engaged with. And they've got this friend and they become best friends and they spend a lot of time together and they see the potential pitfall in that relationship. Maybe the pitfall they see is, well, this person has endeared themselves so much toward me. It's as if they've built a sense of codependency on me as if I'm the one they need and if I'm the one that can get them through life instead of realizing that it's Jesus who they need and it's Jesus that can get them through life. So because I realize there's this codependency, I've got to redirect them. A prudent person sees that. A prudent person is able to look at the relationships and assess them for where they're at. Or a prudent person is able to look at the relationship of a marriage and look at it and say, okay, I, I look at my marriage and as I assess it, I feel like that we are drifting apart. Why are we drifting apart? Because maybe we're not investing in it. And so consequently, we're not growing together, whether we're just drifting apart and further and further. They're able to see the relationships and discern and assess where things are at. So a prudent person sees the pitfalls in relationships they see the pitfalls in finances. A prudent person will real, realizes this, that the way I view my money matters. And if I view my money as an owner, that I'm the owner of my money, there's some pitfalls that come with that. See, if my money, if I'm the owner of my money, guess who I'm never gonna give glory to? God, right? I'm never gonna give him glory because my money. I work for it, I deserve it. If I'm an owner of my money, I'm gonna manage how I spend it. I'm gonna manage where it goes. Well, a prudent person understands that everything belongs to who? Let me hear you say it. It belongs to the Lord, right? Everything belongs to the Lord. And a prudent person says, no, no, no. I don't need to be an owner of my money. I need to be a steward of it. I need to be a manager of it. And the voice who decides how I spend my money is none other than the Lord himself. See, a prudent person's able to look even at their finances and go, you know what? I've got too much ownership here. I've got to turn this over to the Lord and use the Lord and let him give me wisdom. A prudent person sees that. A prudent person also sees the pitfalls in your testimony. And I, I, I can't overstate this. A prudent person wrestles with this tension. You ready? They realize that it's more important to elevate my responsibilities as a follower of Jesus than the rights that I have. They understand that it's more important for me to, to exercise my responsibilities as a Christ follower than it is my rights. In fact, Paul said it best when Paul says things are permissible for you, but that doesn't mean they're what? Beneficial for you. We have rights to do certain things, but it doesn't mean we always should do those certain things. See, a prudent person's able to go look at their life, look at their testimony, and understand this. I want my life to reflect, to mirror, and to point people to Jesus. And if I do this, it's not gonna do it. So I'm gonna elevate my responsibility over my rights. Now, here's the whole point. A prudent person sees danger. They see the evils of the world. They see the potential pitfalls. But not only that, they also see the potential temptations that are out there. A prudent person is keenly aware of the lust of the eyes that's out there. What I mean by that is, and you see it in 1 John, you know, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. They, a prudent person sees the, eye, the struggle with our eyes. What I'm talking about is lust. Coveting something 
that is not ours. They understand that. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I'm sure we all have at some level, you know, you work hard and you're trying hard and you're saving your money and somebody that you work with is maybe a little bit more freer with the money, they drive up in a new car. I mean, it looks good. I mean, it looks amazing. And as David would say, it's been lifted, whatever that really means, it's been lifted and it looks really good. And you know, and there's something in you goes, I wish I had what? That? See, a prudent person's able to understand the lust of the eyes, the cravings of the eyes, the coveting that comes. They understand. It doesn't mean they always succeed, but they get it. A prudent person also understands the cravings of the flesh. They know that God has wired us a certain way, and we have to guard our heart and guard our mind and guard our bodies. They get it. And a prudent person also understands the issue of pride. They understand that the pride of life is those people that look at life like this, that, hey, I don't need anybody else. I, I'm sufficient on my own. I can do this all on my own. I don't need you and I don't need God. See, a prudent person knows that when there's pride involved, that somehow that will pull you away from the Lord. Now, here's the point I'm trying to drive down. The prudent person sees danger. They see the pitfalls. They see the temptations that are out there. And then we have the second person in the passage, the simple. He says, the simple go on and suffer for it. Now, I know what you're thinking. Okay, Doug, well, it doesn't really tell us what the simple see. Well, let's first of all remind us who are the simple. The simple are the people who are easily led astray. They are people that are gullible. They're people that are naive. They're people that lack conviction. That's who the simple are when you look at scripture. That's the definition of those. And even though it doesn't tell us what they see, let me just tell you something. You need to understand a little bit of thing about literature is that when Solomon compares and contrasts the prudent with the simple or the wise and the foolish, that just because he doesn't say it, sometimes things that are omitted are as powerful as things that are said in scripture. Here's what I mean. In 1 John, it says this, if you, if you love me, or Jesus said, if you love me, keep my what? My, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. So wouldn't the reverse of that also be true even though he didn't say it? If you don't keep my commandments, it's evidence that what? You don't love me. So he said one thing, but the opposite is still true. So we can take that to the passage. For example, in Matthew 7. Matthew 7, Jesus says there's the house that was built on rock and the house that was built on sand. And both of them went through a storm. What was the same storm? We don't know that particularly, he didn't say that, but it's the same storm they go through. But one was built on a sturdy foundation, one was not. So we can take that same concept to the passage. Even though he doesn't say the simple what they don't see, the truth is this, is that what the simple did was they disregarded the dangers. The prudent saw danger, but the simple, the easily led astray, those who lack conviction, they disregarded, and they disregarded those dangers. Now, what, think about it this way. So instead of them seeing the possible pitfalls, they ignore them. Instead of seeing potential danger in the pitfalls of life, they just ignore them. Now, you say, Doug, well, why would they ignore them? Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know. I mean, I would assume a couple things. One thing I would assume is possibly because they're unwilling to call them pitfalls. Maybe they're just, there's, there's just some things that they're just not willing to call it what it should be. Maybe it's because they don't think those pitfalls are all that bad. Maybe if I have a friendship that's codependent upon me, it makes me feel needed, wanted, and I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Or maybe it's because they've got a blind spot in their life. I don't know about you, but when you were in college, 
are a teenager and you were dating, which I, if, you're, if you're over the age of 30, aren't you thankful you don't ever have to go back to that life ever again? Amen to that one? Yeah, I mean, that was like, whoo. I mean, that was painful sometimes. No, I don't want to discourage any of you that are young ones. I'm just saying, I'm glad I've been married 26 years. I, I'm not going back to that. But the thing about it is, was this. When you were dating, do you remember that you were always easy for you to see the pitfalls and the temptations of somebody else's relationship, but you never really noticed them in yours? Why? Because you had a blind spot. And the thing about simple people is they disregard danger. They ignore the possible pitfalls. And maybe it's because they have a blind spot. But not only that, they don't, they don't even see the, 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 the temptations of life, but rather the simple will embrace them. They're living all about in the moment, satisfying immediate gratification. Whatever I want, just go do it. No consequences. Now here's the parallel Solomon's creating. The prudent see danger. They see the pitfalls. They see the temptations. The simple, they just disregard the danger. They embrace the desires and the temptations and they ignore the pitfalls. And then we see, second of all, the two responses. Look with me in the passage again. Here's the two responses. He says this in verse 12, the prudent see danger and hide himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. So first of all, he talks about the prudent. He says, the prudent act in wisdom, and they take refuge. Now the passage here where it says, and he hides himself, and the Hebrew should be translated and takes refuge. So the prudent see danger, and they take refuge. Now I don't want that word refuge to be mistaken for the word retreat. Retreat is I surrender, I wave the white flag, I give up. That's not the implication of the passage. Refuge is finding a place that's safe to be. He says, listen, when the prudent people see danger, guess how they respond? They respond in wisdom and they take refuge. Now, I want you to track with me for a moment because this is important to understand. What is refuge? See, refuge is a place of protection, isn't it? It's a place of protection. Protection from whom, Doug? It's protection from the enemy. Probably the best example I could give is in the Bible in the cities of refuge. And in fact, in the, in, the, in the history of Israel, they had six cities of refuge. These cities of refuge were, were governed and ruled by Levites who also attended to the temple. Now, the reason that people would go to a city of refuge is if you were convicted of, say, something like manslaughter, you could flee to a city of refuge. And the reason you went to the city of refuge is because of a family member that doesn't want to wait for the judicial system to come up with their plea, so they're going to come out and avenge their family member's death. And so they might pursue you, but if you went to the city of refuge, you were safe from the, those people until your trial date. And then whatever the verdict was is how you had to operate from that point forward. So that city of refuge. See, refuge is a place of protection from the enemy, but it's also a place of provision. When you go to a, a place of refuge, it's a place that provides for you. It provides for the needs you have. It provides and it cares for you. It's a place of provision. Whatever you need, you're cared for. Probably the best example of that would be a shelter. If you've ever served in, in your communities at any level, you've maybe been to a homeless shelter or you've been to a rescue mission and people that have nothing come there. Well, what are they coming there for? Provision. They have needs, right? And so a refuge is a place of protection and provision. But listen, a refuge is also a place of direction. It's a safe place where I can get alone, I can gather my thoughts, I can regroup, and I can seek wisdom. It's a place of direction. But let me tell you one more thing about a, refuge, a place of refuge. 
It's also a place of comfort. It's a place that people can go to find support and strength. In fact, listen to what the psalmist said about us. In Psalms 46.1, you know it. He says this, God is our refuge and strength and very present help in trouble. See, here's the thing that Solomon's trying to get at. Are you ready? Don't, don't miss this. The prudent people, they see danger. Those believers who are wise, who are heeding God's wisdom, man, they see the dangers. They see the pitfalls. They see the temptations. But when they come, they don't try to handle them on their own. They run to the Father. They run and take refuge in the Lord. Why? Because in the Lord, listen, and only in the Lord can we find protection from the enemy. Only in the Lord can we find the provision we're looking for. Only in the Lord can we find the direction to navigate our life. And only in the Lord can we find the comfort that he loves us, cares for us, and supports us. If you believe that, say amen. amen. So they understood, the prudent understand that when you see danger, they took refuge in the Lord because he's the one that provides all of that. But that's not how the simple respond. Look what it says about the simple. He says, the prudence in danger and hide themselves or take refuge, but the simple go on. See, the wise act in wisdom and take refuge, but the simple act in foolishness and they go on. In other words, even though they face danger, even though they're not acknowledge it, they've disregarded it, there's still danger for the simple. Even though they're not paying any attention to it, even though they're ignoring it and disregarding it, there's still danger out there for them. And when that danger's out there, here's their approach, here's their response. They just run straight smack dab into it. So when you look at the word go on, he's basically talking about the simple, when danger's out there, the danger they've disregarded and ignored and the temptations they've embraced, basically they just choose to live recklessly. They just go head first, ignoring anything and any consequence. So when you see the phrase go on, it's not that they're an act of bravery or boldness, it's an act of foolishness. See, simple people desire just to live in the moment. Simple people care nothing about who they hurt and how their actions impact anybody else. And if you know somebody like that, you know that's right, right? See, simple people, I would even go as far as say, they care very little, if any, about how their actions fracture the relationship with the Lord. So the prudence see danger and take refuge in the Lord. The simple disregard danger and just move head on. So it's like when you get lost, if you just double your speed, that's exactly how the simple live. And then that leads us to the last thing, two results. He says this, the prudency danger and take refuge, but the simple go on and they what? Suffer for it. I wanna flip the script a little bit. I wanna talk about the simple first. See the simple who disregard danger, who just go straight into danger, they suffer for it. They suffer because they're ignoring the dangers and the temptations that are out there. They suffer because they don't care about the consequences. They're just going straight forward to it. They suffer because they lack the exercise of wisdom. And here's how they suffer. They suffer because they ultimately will wreck their what? Lives. Let me give you a great example. Samson. Oh, no, 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 no. Samson was a judge. I know he was a judge. But he wrecked his life. If you go back and read the story of Samson, did Samson disregard the danger that was in front of him? 
No, Doug, he went and he killed. No, 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 no. I'm talking about, did he disregard the danger of God said, hey, based on your Nazarite vow, here's some things you can't do. You can't touch something that's dead or that's unclean. Did Samson ignore or embrace those rules that God gave him? He totally ignored them, didn't he? He totally disregarded them. I know that you may look at him and say he was brave and he killed thousands of men with the jawbone of a donkey. I know that. But when it comes to what God told him, he disregarded the dangers of God, what God said. Did, 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 did Samson run into those dangers and ignore the consequences? Absolutely he did. Look at the story of Delilah, right? I, I, I said, I'm not, listen, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I know that. But here's what I do know. If, my, if I have unbelievable Superman kind of strength and my wife comes to me and says, hey, honey, how can, what can I do to you to take that strength away? I may be foolish enough the first time to say something, but when she comes back the second time, we got a problem, right? Are you with me on that? We got a problem. But with Delilah, it wasn't once, it was twice, three times she came back to him. At some point, he just was running into the danger, ignored everything God had told him. Told him. Now, ultimately, what does Samson do? He wrecked his life. Well, Doug, I disagree because he stood between those pillars, Doug, and he pushed it down and killed all the Philistines. I know that. And God used his disobedience to carry out his work. But go back and read the final prayer of Samson. His prayer was not, God, I want to do something that will bring honor and glory to your name. He's like, God, give me strength. You know why? Because I want to avenge the people that poke my eyes out. Samson was a simple man, and he wrecked his life. That's one of the results for the simple. But look at the result for the prudent. It says the prudent see danger and hide themselves. And you may say, Doug, I don't see the result there. Well, remember, that result's implied because he's doing a comparison here. So if the simple suffer for it, the prudent are blessed for it. See, the prudent are blessed for seeing the evils of this world and being attentive to the wisdom of God. The prudent are blessed because they take refuge in the Lord. And the prudent are blessed because they exercise wisdom. And you know how they're blessed? They're not only blessed because they don't wreck their lives, they're blessed because they live a life that is honoring and pleasing to the Lord. That's the result. Let me give an example of that one. How about Daniel? Think of Daniel. Did Daniel have eyes wide open to the potential dangers in the world he lived in? You better believe it. Read chapter one of Daniel. He intentionally decided not to eat the meat off the king's table. Why? Because Daniel understood that if I eat this meat, it's gonna begin a process of indoctrination where they're trying to make me a great Babylonian. I don't wanna be a great Babylonian. I wanna be a great father of Yahweh. And I'm not gonna do this. So, Sam, so, so Daniel had his eyes wide open. Did Daniel take refuge in the Lord when he saw the dangers? How many times you see Daniel praying? In scripture, prayed all the time, didn't he? In fact, prayer's what got him thrown into the lion's den, didn't it? And what about Daniel? Do you think Daniel was blessed for how he lived his life? You better believe it. Story after story after story shows the faithfulness of Daniel and the faithfulness of God. And not only did he grow in stature with God, he also grew in stature with the Babylonian empire. He raised up in the ranks just like Joseph did. And the point is this, that when you look at the two results, for the prudent, it's that we're blessed. For the simple, is they're gonna wreck their lives. And I guess the question we have to ask ourselves is which one are you? Pause, not which one do you wanna be? Which one are you? 
Are you the kind of person that can look at your life? And I think today, this moment needs to be a really big moment of self-reflection. Do you look at your lives and go, hey, I, I'm kind of more like the prudent. I see the dangers, I see the pitfalls, I see the temptations, and when I find those temptations coming at me, I find myself running to the Father, taking refuge in the Lord. And because I do that, I feel like God has been blessing me. Or when you look at your life, do you feel more like the simple, who continue to disregard the danger of the world and the truth of God's word, who tend to look at the dangers, if you even notice them as dangers, and you run straight forward into them, and ultimately, you wreck your life. Which one are you today? Which one? Now, here's a challenge. We all know what the answer should be, don't we? Amen? Amen? We all know which one we should wanna be. But if we're gonna shoot to be the prudent, there's some changes that have to happen in our own lives. Some changes gotta take place. So if you're the person that feels like, man, Doug, I wanna be honest in this moment and let you know that, hey, I, I feel like, man, I wanna be prudent, but I'm more like the simple. I've disregarded, I've run head on into danger, paid no attention, and I've wrecked my marriage, I've wrecked my relationships, I've wrecked my finance, I've wrecked my testimony, I've wrecked some things in my life. But if you really wanna be the prudent, here's what I wanna encourage those of you that feel like you're simple, those that are here and those that are watching. Here's the challenge for you, repent. Say, Lord, I've been going the wrong way. And I wanna pivot in my life and start living a life for you. So I'm gonna ask you, if you feel like you're simple, first, repent, second of all, commit. Commit to embracing God's wisdom. Commit to taking this word, this love letter that was breathed by God and written down by men for us and putting it into your life. Because if you don't cling to this, you will never be a prudent person. You will always be among the simple. And if you're that person here that you say, hey Doug, I feel like as I examine my life, I feel like I am prudent. I feel like I see danger. I feel like I take refuge in the Lord and I've been blessed for it. Here's what I wanna to say to you, don't let your guard down. Don't let your guard down. Don't let your guard down. Because in a moment, things could collapse. Keep your eyes wide open. And maybe you're here, maybe you're watching, and you say, Doug, man, I see the danger, but I feel like I'm in a place in my life where I just need to be running to the Father. I need to get on my face and say, Lord, I need your protection in my life. I need your provision. I need your direction. and I need your comfort. And if you find yourself in this moment like there, this altar is gonna be open. And you can come get along with God and just pray. Or those who are watching you get down on your knees before your couch or your easy chair and just pray and say, Lord, I'm prudent, I see danger, but I've neglected to run to you. And so right now in this moment, I'm gonna run to the Lord. I'm gonna take refuge in Him. Why? Because He's the only one that can give me the protection, provision, direction, and comfort that I need. And maybe you need to make that decision. May we be faithful to respond to the Lord in this moment. Let's all stand together as we pray. God, I love you. I thank you for this passage. I know it's one verse, but Lord, there, there is so much meat in what Solomon says here. And it forces and it begs us to ask this question, which person are we? 
Are we the prudent who see the evils of the world, the pitfalls, the temptations, and run to you and are blessed for it? Are we like the simple who disregard the dangers, run head into them, and suffer loss? God, I pray with everything in me in this moment that for those that would be honest and say that I feel like I'm the simple, that in this moment they would repent of that, they would turn from that and say, Lord, would you change me? But as quickly as they are to repent, Lord, I pray they would commit to putting your word into their lives. And then Lord, I pray for the prudent that are here and those that are watching. Maybe we see the danger, but we've not been faithful to take refuge in you. May this be a moment that changes for us. For those present, may we find ourselves, if need be, at this altar, on our knees saying, Lord, I need you. Every moment I need you, Lord. I'm coming to you. I'm laying it all down before you. You have what I need and you can provide and you're the only one that can provide what I need. May we be faithful to do that because the Lord is our refuge and our help in troubled times. Lord, bless us, move in us, and may we be faithful to respond and yield to you. For it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen, amen. This altar's open.